Hey there, Downpour family. It is always such a joy to bring the word. I know that there are people watching here in Brisbane, Australia, and also our family in Dubai and the Middle East. And I'm especially excited about the word I'm about to bring this morning because this morning we're actually going to kick off what I call a mini series, which is going to be this week and the next. And I believe this topic is, is relevant to any person. From Dubai to Dublin, from from Brisbane to Botswana, from California to Canberra, it is absolutely relevant in every realm of society. And the title of the series is not my message, but the title of the series is Death by Comparison. Death by Comparison. And before I really introduce the title of my message, I want to sort of build a premise on this whole whole thing. A couple of weeks ago, we sort of parachuted into the Ten Commandments. If you didn't get the chance to watch that message, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to encourage you to at some point uh, watch the message, the principles of the third. It was a powerful message. Uh, and, we put, and we pulled up a commandment that we don't talk about. You know, like we spoke about rest. And, and in the Ten Commandments, I, I feel there are some commandments that are more popular than the other ones. You know, do not uh, murder, do not do this, do not lie, do not worship idols. And, and this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of parachute into the Ten Commandments back again. And we, we, we established that we're not, we're not legalistic in obeying these commandments. And these are the ways in which we're going to enter heaven. But we've established the fact that the Ten Commandments are like principles in life. And I want to read the last one, which is what I want to really highlight on, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21. And this commandment literally is, you shall not covet. But I want to read what it actually says. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkeys, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now you're probably hearing this and you're like, I don't like my neighbor's, neighbors. if you're in Dubai, I don't like my neighbor's camel. Uh, I don't like my neighbor's horse if you're in Brisbane or if you're in, uh, you know, some country Queensland. But that's not what the Bible is saying. Uh, the ox was used as a, as a, as a, uh, as a vehicle or to trans- of transportation. And so that's your neighbor's cars. That's your neighbor's home. That's your neighbor's way of transportation. That's your neighbor's life. And the Bible really points out this thing called covetousness. And what the Bible says is this is a sin. And covetousness is, is, is an act that we don't really get accused of. Like if you get lied, you sort of get caught out. If you steal, you, you know, it's a physical act. You know, stealing is physical. You can't sort of steal in your heart. You can't sort of lie in your heart. You can lie to yourself and that's called deception. Uh, but, but, you know, all of these acts are physical acts. But covetousness is an act that sort of lives within your soul. But the Bible really highlights this. Uh, because I believe the reason why, and here's the thing, because I think we're living more than ever before in the age of comparison. But what I love about the Bible is the Bible is so relevant because covetousness is the porting soil of comparison. Comparison is planted in the soil of covetousness. You will not compare unless there's a part in your design that wants to covet. And so covetousness is the porting soil of the comparison tree. The comparison tree has many branches, but it is ported, it is seeded, it is rooted in the soil of covetousness. And the Bible very clearly hits that, that we will not want this. And so what God was saying is do not desire someone else's lifestyle. And the way we desire is by comparing it. Uh, and, and a point to note, point to note, I was not sure if I need to say it, but I'm going to say it. Uh, before I ever had a house, I never desired anybody else's house. 
when I grew up, I grew up in my home and I liked my house and, you know, I wasn't thinking about my house. Before I ever had a car, I never desired anybody else's car. Before you ever had a wife, you probably never ever thought about somebody else's. That's a bit deep, but here's what I'm trying to say. God doesn't have a problem in us being inspired and being creative, but he's literally talking to people that are in the different realms of life that when we start engaging relationally, when we start engaging physically, when we start engaging emotionally, we will start comparing when we are walking through the course of that. And so the title of my message, now I'm sharing the title of my message is Murder by Measure. And what happens is because we have measurements for people's lifestyle, measurements for people's relationships, measurements for people's the way they do family, measurements for people's level of wealth, what begins to happen is we actually start murdering things within our own soul. And I want to take three stories from the Bible this morning and talk about three things that we can murder. Three, three things that we will murder as we compare. It's pretty powerful. The first thing that we're going to murder and, and here's the thing, when I was doing this message, I was like, God, because here's the thing about me, whenever I'm studying a topic, I always want to go back to the first time it ever happened. You know this about me, I always go back to. And as I, as I was traveling through my Bible, I just sort of realized I didn't need to jump into Psalms. I didn't need to jump into Judas betraying Jesus. In fact, the very first story in the Bible is a story of comparison. We've got a guy called Adam and Eve who's living on prime real estate. They were living in a fancy world. They were living this beautiful life. The serpent comes along and tells them, when you eat of that tree, you will become like God. So all of a sudden, Adam, who was all sufficient, becomes very aware of his inadequacy. And that's what comparison does. Comparison, the greatest thing that comparison does is it, it reveals to us how much we are lacking. It shows us our inadequacy. And so all of a sudden, Adam, who was naming the animals, Adam, who was creative, Adam, who was uh, enjoying life, Adam, who was planting trees and growing farms and hanging out with the lions, all of a sudden began to be so aware of what he did not have. In a moment, there was a measurement made between God and man, and man became very aware of his deficiency. Adam, before this moment, never wanted to be God. He never compared himself with God. But the moment the comparison was made, he became very conscious. But let's take a moment and think about Adam's deal. I reckon Adam had a great deal. Richard Branson might own the Virgin Islands, but Adam had the whole planet. I don't know, the last time someone had a whole planet in their name. He had prime real estate. He could build homes on every river, on every bank. He could do whatever. He could, he could just, he had it all together. He had a great deal. He had minerals. He had resources. He had all sorts of things. He could have made a, made a name for himself. But comparison kills, kills you with what you don't have. And one of the things that comparison does is it minimizes all the resources, all the talent, all the gifting, all the wealth, all the resources that's already sitting on you and compares you to, I mean, how, how crazy it is to even compare ourselves. I mean, to us, comparing ourselves with God would be an obs obscene, obscure concept. But that is exactly what it is when we compare ourselves with the things around us. It's as crazy as God has entrusted you with all these resources and all of a sudden you start comparing. And the thing is, when compar what comparison does is it kills your relationship with God and it reveals the nakedness that you carry that God was supposed to cover in the first place. Wow. The nakedness that you were born with, which was God's role in your life to cover gets 
unraveled, get, gets unfolded, gets revealed when the comparison begins. And so here's the first thing you murder. The first thing you murder when you compare is, or the first thing is when you measure, the first thing you murder is your relationship with God. We're talking about murder by measurement. The first thing you murder is your relationship with God. We think when we are comparing, we are being hard on ourselves. We, you know, having a low moment. But can I tell you, the first thing you, you, you kill is you, you, you diminish, you minimize, you isolate, you paralyze, you stop believing, you run out of faith in that particular area. And even it's almost like God can't get your back. And so I want us to understand that that you think about what happened with Adam. He lost his relationship. He lost his place. And here's the crazy part about comparing. When I compare what I don't have, I put myself at the risk of losing even what I do have. Adam got kicked out of this beautiful garden that was his own possession, his own territory. Eat whatever tree, hang out with whichever animal, do what you want to do. But he lost even the territory that he was entrusted with because of measuring with something that he should have not measured himself with at all. Here's the second thing that happens when you measure, when you compare the second murder that happens in your life. So you murder your relationship with God, your relationship with God becomes, and, and you know the rest of Adam's life, he was limping through his walk with God. The second thing that happens is you begin to murder relationships with your friends and families. The crazy part about comparison is that you actually don't need to scroll too much because the very next chapter you find comparison happening between two brothers. Adam has two boys, Cain and Abel. And in Genesis chapter 4, there's an occasion where both boys bring an offering before God. Cain's offering was inferior. A couple of reasons why. Because his demeanor and the way he carried it and what he brought was not his best. And it was pending. But whatever Abel brought for whatever reason was accepted by God. And Cain began to feel inferior. And I get that because here's the thing. Sometimes in life we do feel inferior. And here's what I've learned. And I'm not judging people for feeling inferior. You know, there have been times in my own life when I felt inferior. But I have taken moments of inferiority to become moments of being inspired. Cain could have been inspired by Abel's offering but chose to be inferior. Chose to feel inferior. We can use every moment where sometimes we are being measured by our own trickling thought to be an opportunity to grow. Is there something, is there someone in your world that's doing something great? Don't let that intimidate. Don't let that kill you. Don't let that, uh, don't let that make you feel inferior. But let that be an opportunity to go, I want to be inspired. I want to do that next. Cain should have gone, you know what, next, next opportunity, I'm going to be the first one running down the altar with my own thing. You know what I'm saying? Cain, that could have been an opportunity, but out of his desire for acceptance and approval, he ends up murdering his brother. Check out what it, sees, it says in Genesis 4 verse 6. It says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why has your countenance fallen? See, here's the thing. Comparison even makes you lose your own glow. Your countenance has fallen. And check out what it says. If you do well, will you not be accepted? That is a brilliant point. People that, all of us, we compare. I mean, we live on our devices. And literally, I've got a word for you. If you do well, won't you be accepted? If you do well, if you walk your course, if you walk the path that's set before you, won't you be accepted? Won't you be embraced? But if you do not do well, check it out. Sin lies at your door. Comparison attracts sin to wait at your doorstep. Sin lies at your door and his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now check out what it says in verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, 
And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. I wonder how many relationships have we aborted due to comparison? How many people have we walked away because of jealousy? How many people we couldn't align ourselves because they were maybe just a bit bigger, a bit better, a bit more mature. And I've come to realize that I will never compare my chapter one with somebody else's chapter 10. I'll never allow their course, their experience, their influences, their, even they might be younger than me, but they may still be in chapter 10 in that area of their life. And I will allow that gifting, that calling, that grace, let it inspire me, let me be around it. I may never be as good as that, but I want to be around it. I want to celebrate that. I want to cheer that. And I want to talk to you because it's so important that we will not let something that we think is better than us intimidate us, but let it inspire us. You know, I've been to churches that are doing great things. And uh, you know me that I will be the first guy that shouts pastors' coffees and hangs out with pastors, pastors at big, big, big buildings. I'm like, I want, I want to come and learn. I want to be that student. I want to... But I know other people that are just intimidated by that. They just sort of like, oh, I, I didn't do that. He did it first. I was like, it doesn't matter who did it first. It doesn't matter who. I just want to be the person that's inspired. And so comparison can murder relationships. Comparisons can murder friendships. Compa the measure of comparison can murder, murder an abort godly. Think about how many godly relationships we have walked away from. We have sort of annihilated. We have sort of you know, just aborted because even, even of our own insecurities and it becomes quite powerful. Here's the third thing, and this is probably the most important one. I mean, our relationship with God is important, but this is, I think, where a lot of us live. Measurement does not just murder your relationship with God. It does not just murder your relationship with friends and family or close ones. Measurement murders your relationship with yourself. I want to talk about a king. This is the third story in the Bible. There's a king in the Bible called King Saul. King Saul was Israel's first king. Now, let me tell you what's the good part about being Israel's first king. You got no one to compare yourself with. So he could have stuffed up as a king and he would still be a great king. And he still stuffs it up. I mean, if you're the first chef on the planet, you can serve raw chicken. And it's like, yeah, that's good. You know, cordon blue, pour some blue crayon on it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you can make whatever, but this king still stuffed it up because of his own spirit of comparison. And what happens is he was going on well, but there was this one guy on his team called David who was great. And he carried his, his, his king's heart and he was loving on his king. But one day after battle, here's the thing, thing they won the battle. And then some, a bunch of girls started singing. First Samuel 18, it says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the men came out from all the towns to meet King Saul. They came out to meet King Saul. The women, rather, came out to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And then it says, And Saul was very angry. This displeased him. And from that day on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Saul has tweeted to his thousands and David has tweeted to his ten thousands. Saul has only 8,000 followers to become, be able to IGTV and get bigger bandwidth and share videos. You need 10,000 followers. David has 10,000 followers. Saul ain't a public figure. 
David is a public figure. You know what I'm talking about. Different things that the world has put out. And here's the thing. We live in probably the worst day and age where we already have our own comparisons. But social media has made it even worse for us to tell us where the barriers are, to tell us where the barricades are, to tell us our limitation, to remind us what we can do and can't do. And, and, and Saul has a church of 500. David has a church of 1,000. And it looks, look what it says. Saul kept a close eye on David. And this is exactly what comparison does. Comparison takes your eye of your course, your race, and you are constantly having an eye on their feed. We all have that person that we look up to and the moment they post something in their story, we're checking it out. We lose our moment. We lose our marriage. We lose time with our kids because we are so wanting to be somebody else and we are like Saul having our eyes on their feet and the problem is when you have your eyes on their feet you don't have your eyes on your feet you don't have your eyes on your path and 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 I begin to think about it his eyes was no more on his gifting his eyes was no more on his ability but his eyes was on somebody else and I begin to think about this because I want you to think about this they said Saul killed his thousands David has killed his 10,000. What did Saul use to kill people? He used the sword. His sword, the king's sword, is a special sword. It's a reflection of your calling. It's a reflection of your leadership. It's a reflection of your authority. It's a reflection of your mandate. It's a reminder of the victories that you won. Do you know how Saul died? Let me read it to you. In 1 Samuel 31, Saul finds himself in another battle. But guess what? The problem was his eyes was always lingering, thinking about what David was doing. And it wasn't going too well. And then it says, it got so bad that in verse 4, Saul says to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through. But his armor bearer was terrified and wouldn't do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When you begin to compare your own gifting can take you to the grave. When you begin to compare, your own platform will, t- will cause you the greatest pain. That which was his gift, that which was his purpose, that which was his calling, when he began to compare his calling with David, his calling became a curse. And here's the thing, friends, here's the thing, ch- church, here's the thing, family, we are all aware of our limitations. We are all aware, and we've got all these measuring tools that we have in choosing how we live life and choosing that family did this and they went holidays here and, and they're doing this and they're having fun. And, but, 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 but the problem is we're losing the moment, the gift that God has given us. And so we've got Adam, Cain and Saul. They were all aware of their deficiency. But I want to read something to you. And this, I think, is going to really help us this morning. The deficiency you are aware of that you compare and complain about may be part of your God-given design. Your deficiency may be God's place of sufficiency. And every time you complain, you are saying you have a factory defect, which makes your design designer a flawed designer. Every time you complain and compare and you become aware of your deficiency, You are actually rebelling and looking upwards to the heavens and saying, you made me wrong. In other words, you're saying, God, you are flawed. And what happens is you murder your relationship, at least you, you, you paralyze it, and you limp through life in a relationship with God. You toxify 
your relationship with friends and family and people because you're never your full self and at the end of your life you will find yourself stabbing your own soul. I know this is a very powerful message but I think we live in a day and age where we are so bombarded and can I say to every person watching me right now you were born an original. I don't know if you know this you have a unique fingerprint you have a unique eye print you have a unique tongue print yes your tongue has its own print in other words you have a unique uh, touch you have a unique vision and you have a unique speech you were born an original don't die a copy and we live in a world and age that tells us you got to post this to get that like and you got to post this to get that you got to post this to get their approval you know what can i say be you be who god's called you to be you're anointed and the greatest day that you will enter the greatest anointing and call of god in your life is when you walk in you when you walk in who you're called to be and i know this message is a bit different but i believe as we've been going through all the isolation that we've been going through we are constantly in our devices, constantly measuring, constantly comparing. Oh, I should be doing that. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be doing that. And can I say, God is trying to get a post in. While you're checking everybody else's story, God is trying to throw something on his story that he wants you to capture. But he's like, my son, my daughter is so busy swimming in the multitude of messages, in the multitude of postings. And God is saying, please, child, please, son. I want you to be you because I have made you wonderfully. I have fearfully designed you. I have fearfully stitched you, woven you, as the Bible says, in your mother's womb. And church, let's never be people that will murder by measure. God's given each one of us a measure of gifting, a measure of faith, a measure of grace, a measure of calling. Let's be faithful stewards of that. Let's not let, not let our eyes linger. Let's not let our eyes wander and paralyze everything and every potential that God has for us. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you for each and every person that's watching this message. I thank you, God, that you are doing a work on the inner crevices of our soul. I pray for every, especially I pray for every young adult. I pray for every teenager watching this message because they are living through probably the most toughest era in time where the first time they sing, they need to be as good as that person that's been singing since, since they were seven months. And I pray, God, that every person would just know that they're embraced by you, they're accepted by you. And I pray right now that every person that's put a lid on their gifting, every person that's put a lid on their calling, every person that's put a lid even on their marriages because of comparing with their marriages with all these other people, I, I set them free from that. I right now pray that you would set them free. I break the yoke of the enemy. If he cannot if he, cannot, if he cannot bind us, he will make us compare. If he cannot hold us back, he will make us measure. And I come against that. I right now release freedom over the airwaves. I release freedom in this room. I pray, God, that we will be who you've called us to be. We give you all the glory in your most precious name. We pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a powerful message. And I, I want to encourage you to take some time. Maybe you want to watch this again. Maybe you want to write some notes. Maybe you want to pause and maybe break down what are the measurements that I've had with God and what are the measurements I've had with family and people. What are the measurements I've had with, my, with who I am? Because friend, I want you to know God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it comes by first receiving Jesus and walking in all that God's called you to be. I want to thank you once again for watching this message. We love you. God bless you. Bye for now.